Welcome to Dudes of Hazards Radio. I'm your founder and host, Donnie McCarty. On today's episode, we have on guest Chris Haley for our 18th episode. Chris, why don't you go ahead and uh, say hey to the dudes. Hey, dudes. Chris, glad you came on today. Took some time out of your busy schedule. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell the guys a little bit about what you do and who you are. All right. My name is Chris Haley. I am the general manager and chief operating officer at Blackthorn Club at the Ridges, which, of course, is located in the Ridges. I've been there for about five years now. Um Came here from Blacksburg, Virginia, where I was the assistant general manager at Blacksburg Country Club. I've been in the business 15, going on 16 years now. Man. And um, you know, the what really brought me here, I had no previous connections to Johnson City or the Tri-Cities or anything. So uh, our owners did a national search uh, for this position in actually 2015, and I was working at a club in Pennsylvania. And then uh, we wound up not being able to get out of our contract to get here. Um, for the job then, and then I was back in Virginia in 17 when they called again, and I guess the last GM didn't work out for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, it didn't take us long to, to put the agreement together, and um, it's been a great move for my career. So I've been here, so this is what, my fourth club job, I think. Nice. And I've been here the longest of any of my other previous jobs, too. And I've worked for some some clubs that are very similar to this, and yeah. I've worked for some clubs that are – I guess a little more snotty, if you want to put sure, it. Yeah. And the further north you go, the snottier they get. Yeah, so if there's any imagine. Yankees out there, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but it's just it's true. We're um, not sorry over here. It's okay. <laughs> and um, but we have a phenomenal club, great people, great membership. We got a wait list at 65 deep now, and um, it's just a really good place to be. That's awesome, man. What's uh What's some of your favorite things about being here in Tennessee? Uh, income tax is great. Oh yeah. I mean, that's that's a, a good one to yeah. start off on. Um, I grew up about two and a half hours from here, so I was born and raised about uh, an hour south of Roanoke, Virginia, about an okay. hour directly north of Greensboro and Winston-Salem, so right on the, the Virginia-Carolina border, oh, yeah. right off of 58. And uh, so if any of the dudes have been to Primland before, so I grew up about 20 minutes from Primland. That is one of my favorite courses. It's a great spot. I mean, it's just it's it's too cool up there. Yes. So so when Donald Steele designed that in 2007, so we were already in college. So mm-hmm. it was not one of our high school courses, but our high school they that counts as one of their home courses. Okay. That's, that's not a, a bad one to have. That's a good home field advantage. <laughs> it's a good home field advantage. <laughs> that's but, pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, but being here um you know certainly great and not having any connections to the area, so mm-hmm. um you know coming here strictly for the job, not knowing anybody. Yeah. Um, a little bit of a challenge at first, sure. but um, there's so many young folks and young professionals that are here in the area and folks that may have grown up in Johnson City proper that now you see a lot of um, businesses putting money back into the community and downtown revitalization and all that. Yeah. It's something that maybe 10, 15 years ago that our age group wouldn't necessarily do. And I'm 35. So moving here when I'm 29 years old, you know, maybe wouldn't have done that in the early to mid 2000s, but now it's a great thing to do. So. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a great place to live, especially for younger people. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, there's, it's turning in the right direction. And you're right, 10 to 15 years ago, it wasn't that way. Sure. I mean, even five, I feel like the last five years has made a tremendous push and just kind of the change of things around here. So, yeah, I mean, and one of the selling points that we use um, with our membership, because not everybody that joins Blackthorn 
was born and raised in Washington County. Yeah. Yeah, you get a lot of folks that come here that are moving here for Eastman or for Ballard or for the VA hospital or to work at ETSU or, um, you know, to come here for a different reason. But, you know, not everybody was born here at the end of the day. So there are a lot of folks that are, you know, raised and bred and really don't know what that East Tennessee connection is. And um, downtown has played into that. You've got, you know, direct access to so many different things. Uh, You've got... 40, 26, and 81 that all converge you know, within that 40 oh, to 50 yeah. mile radius, too. So to get to Charlotte, to get to Greenville, South Carolina, Atlanta, Richmond, um, Knoxville, Nashville. You, know, it, you can get to so many places sure. so quick around here. That's it. it. It really is. Yeah. Or even go a little bit farther to say, let's just hop on 26 and ride. And the next thing you know, you're in Charleston yep. or the low country. Like so. two, basically like two turns from where you might live at in Johnson City. I know when I used to live like downtown uh by ETSU, it's like mm. I'd literally make like two turns and you'd be on 26 the whole way and you'd hop off six hours later in Charleston. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, okay. So we are very simple. Conven- yeah. We are very conveniently located. It is. Too. Great, great place to live. I mean, whenever people come on here and talk, I mean, too many people aren't coming on here and bashing this area. I mean, it's, it's a pretty yeah. awesome place. Uh, you uh, Have you converted to a Vols fan or where are you no, at there? No. So, uh, no. Good. Me. Even after me, Saturday. Yeah. No, no, no. You know what? That was incredible. That that was a game unlike just sure. – I mean, that was madness. When I was in college, I actually ran a college football website for three seasons. So our first wow, year nice. we were all national, which means I had to stay up late and watch Washington State and oh, Oregon yeah. State play, and it was terrible because I didn't <laughs> Pac-12 care. Pac-12 after dark. And and especially if they're 2-5 and five going Ugh. against 2-5, it didn't matter. Yeah. Our final two years we did nothing but SEC and ACC. And with the goal of you, know, you build the website and then hopefully sell it to somebody like a Fox Sports or somebody like that, it didn't happen. But um, you know, Saturday's contest, if you are simply a college football fan, that is all you can ask for. Yeah, that I mean, it does not matter if you don't if you don't have a dog in the fight, which I don't. I went to Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't like Bama, and I really don't like Tennessee. Yep. But at the same time, too. Um, you know, from a college football fan, you can't ask for anything else. Not I, think. That perfectly sums up how I felt about it. I'm like, no love here for either team. Um, but, I mean, just absolute madness of absolute. a game to watch. Um, I was watching it with my wife, her sister, and one of my good friends that was in town. They're all big UT fans. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was actually really fun watching almost them more, just that fourth quarter react and the highs, the lows oh, yeah. from the Bama, setting up to kick the field goal, and uh, we've lost to – I mean, two minutes later, just <laughs> the range of emotions. Yeah, the range of emotions was insane. So that's, uh, I mean, I, I like the NFL, but it's hard to beat uh, a college football Saturday like that. A good Southern man would say nothing different. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our podcast rundown. We're going to go ahead and talk about what we're just going to be covering on today's podcast, and then we'll get moving on. So we're going to, after this, we're going to meet Chris, just get to learn a little bit more about him, uh, just about his family, uh, what he's currently doing at Blackthorn, and just some of uh, what got him here along the way. We're then going to jump in and take a league member check-in. We're just going to be calling up one of our guys, getting to talk with him. Um, we always like to keep up to date with our league members. They're usually, it either seems popping out babies, getting married, playing some sick course, so it's always fun to check in with the dudes. We're then going to jump into our main interview with Chris. And then in closing, we're going to be having uh, hazard time. And for that, um, actually one of Blackthorn's members and one of the dude's finest, I would say he's a two-time major champion for us, Brad Nagley, is going to be jumping on and asking us some questions. So um, I know you mentioned earlier, if he comes on here and asks some crazy, crazy questions, uh, 
it's may, maybe not looking so good for him for those dues. We have ways of dealing with that. That's right. So, Brad, heads up for that, buddy. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's dive in and talk with Chris a little more. What's your family life look like? So my family life is me. Um, I work a lot. Yep. I, I like to tell people, so when they come in, or if I'm meeting a member for the first time, it's like, oh, Chris, are you married? You, know, you have a family. And, it's like, and I just lean into my clubhouse and give her a little kiss on the wall and just say, no, she's, she's it. Um, I'm with her all the time. All the time. <laughs> The yeah, that mortgage that gets paid at home is kind of in, in futility just because we spend so much time at the club. But I and I say this to people too: is if our club was not as successful as what it is, if our business was not as successful, and I'm not just talking golf, you know, golf, food and beverage, bracket sports, both tennis and pickleball. Yeah, um, our pool. Um, we have such a young membership. It's it's where all my friend group is from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I've gained all my friends. Um, I wouldn't spend as much time there as I, as sure. I do. I enjoy what I do. Um, I enjoy seeing our members be happy. I enjoy what we call you know, the old sales pitch. It's you know, creating you know, memories and yeah. watching our families grow. And you see families be born. And Brad's a primary example of oh, that. Yeah. You know, Daigley got he got engaged there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember the night that it happened. It actually happened the night of a golf tournament. Of course it That did. he got one of our owners involved with it. <laughs> That's awesome. And that was in 2017. Yeah. And – and it was just so cool how it happened too. But sure. that is a that is a memory that him and his wife and their and their family too will have for the rest of their lives. It's like, hey, do you remember that time when you got engaged? Yeah. Dot dot dot. And that happened here. And so how do you um, you harness those memories? And we get to be a part of that. And now it's my job to make sure that those memories stay positive. It's my job that those memories um, stay constant on your mind when you say, hey, times got bad financially. You know, is Blackthorn something I could deal without? No. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, we're a luxury business. You know, we're disposable income for people. But how do I get that to be – how do I get a member to feel that it's as much of a normal good as it is as sure. buying a gallon of milk? You know, and we've done a pretty good job of that, particularly in the last three years. Pandemic added on top of that to um, a member who may have liked the club in 2019 now loves the club. Sure. A member who loved the club in 2019 now can't live without the club. And so it's really forcing that issue of saying, man, I cannot live without this place because of X. Yeah. And you just want to create an environment that people want to be a part of. Sure. I mean, it's like, I mean, I feel like that's kind of, that's relatable for me. That's the reason I'm kind of doing this. You're trying to create some memories and just a, a lifestyle and, and something people can enjoy. Yeah around the game of golf and i mean i know thankfully for you guys you have some more options too to expand upon which is nice it's not just golf for you guys yeah and so Um, much of it is social too i mean we've gotten really really young in the last five years we have one of the youngest memberships in the entire country now i would say that we're probably in the 95th percentile in terms of average age Um, we actually just ran the reports yesterday knowing i was probably going to have this conversation today um our average age of a member at our club and that's across 820 total memberships and that's you know, 2,500 total people, once you mm-hmm. include moms, dads, kids, everybody. Our average age is 51. The national probably average age is probably in that 63 to 65 really? range. Wow. And we have so many 30-somethings and early 40-somethings and late 20-somethings, whether they're married, single, married with kids, what have you. Um, we've just shifted so much in the last five years. When we got there, our average age was just over 60, and now we're just over 50. So in four That's years— That's a pretty to, big drop. —to really work it down— a full decade, you know how many different folks that you have, you know, that 
late 20 to early 40 something yeah. age group that you have to add to really make that number pop and get down to that 50 range and um, our team has done a phenomenal job with that really has well props to you guys that's awesome so, we're blessed yeah all right we're sitting here after uh, a really nice morning round at Macklemore. It's our uh, second time playing it this weekend and and truly just a great time. I got to play with um, Nolan and Alex again for the second time out here. Uh, Nolan's first time playing Macklemore and got to play with uh, PJ as well, which was just an absolute treat. So let's uh we've already heard from a couple people on what they thought of the place but let's go ahead and we'll just kind of pass it around and see what people thought of the round today uh, it was i thought it was good greens were i see the greens every day but it's always good to see see them from a golfer's standpoint so they're, they're rolling good happy with them i guess it's kind of nerdy coming from the turf turf guy but <laughs> Uh, it was good to, to get out there and play with a couple guys I hadn't seen the course before, first time, and getting to tell them hey, this, this putt breaks three feet to the left instead of a foot and a half to the right like they thought. But, uh, you know, it was it was good. Got to enjoy some good golf, good weather for November. So yeah. it was – couldn't have asked for better weather. We really couldn't. I mean, this this is arguably textbook – or not even textbook. This is premium, like better than you could ask for weather. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know for November fifth or sixth, whatever today is, it's you know, you expect fifty degree days up here on the mountain, and we got probably up to seventy seventy five with sun, so it uh, it, it definitely didn't feel feel like November, which is always a plus when you're playing golf. So absolutely, yeah, the the weather really was crazy. I mean, at one point, like. Uh, even going and playing 18 this morning so we did a little um went down there and played 18 from the tips and i came down there in like a long sleeve and a vest and pants and i remember thinking like geez i'm burning up down here there was no wind on like yesterday which was what was it going 15 to 20 all day yesterday it was like totally different playing experiences and so it was kind of fun getting to see the different what how this course plays when it's a little more um still on the on the wind out there alex what do you think today uh, so my my second time playing the course, it was really cool to see it again. Uh, yesterday was more like a what like what am I really looking at? Today I was like okay, I somewhat know what to anticipate, which is really really cool, really fun. Um, honestly, maybe even enjoyed it more today. So yesterday had more wow factor to it because it's new, it's fresh. Uh, but today, I, I guess being able to anticipate some of the certain things that I was able, you know, to pick up on day one, I was like, uh, this makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Other than PJ really messed me up on a couple of these greens, <laughs> 15 specifically, but um, uh, really, really good day. It's really hard to complain when you got the weather like this, and uh, it's a really cool place to be and hang out with a bunch of good guys. Nolan, what you got to say? <laughs> PJ woke up and chose violence on the back nine. <laughs> he had some pins out there. We we did a little little two man scramble and and Alex and I were definitely out outgunned, um, but really kept it together and, and made it a close match through the front nine and and the back nine. PJ had just just decimated us with those pin locations. Um, I think we were like maybe had one bogey on the front and yeah, uh, we, pretty well we bogeyed were, everything out. We were, what was that? Uh, three bogeys and a 
bird on the front, but okay. the back was uh, three, was nine, nine plus nine on the back. Plus nine on the back, so it it got the better of us. But course is absolutely gorgeous, and uh, had a fantastic time. Uh, this is Caleb Barnett. Uh, first time being with the dudes. Uh, got a last minute invite to Macklemore. First time up here. Uh, definitely a wow factor. You got to get off the tee, and I did that today pretty well. And then the greens just ate me a lot. Uh, absolutely. Pretty good putter, but just had nothing on the greens, really. Um, and with Zach shoving a few down our throats really early, kind of took the steam out of our sails. Yeah, just absolutely first putt. Just killed us banged a 35 footer and we were sitting there for eight feet and both missed it in a scramble um kind of had to take a deep breath after that but um we still had a ball today it was Corey and i together um yeah just very very nice course um pleasure to play what would you like me to say <laughs> no, I love this course. This course is amazing. The views are, are unreal up here. Uh, definitely got some good pictures and uh, <clears throat> definitely some good content for uh, for the league. So I uh, definitely loved 18. The 18th hole is the, the most. Um, and uh, I think I, I lost more balls uh, at this course than I have at any other course this entire year. So, uh, and <laughs> that's, uh, that, 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 Transitionally. that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's not only because this is a very hard course, but I also did not play, uh, up to, up to standard. So, um, but man, it was, it was still a lot of fun. So a lot of fun shots out here. It's a lot like, uh, I, I mentioned this before, like using every single club in my bag and I did that on this course. So, um, really had a lot of fun. Overall, fantastic weekend. Great weekend to uh, finish up this year. It has been a blast. Um, we've went to a lot of new places. Some, some we've been to before, but you know, just this weekend here at Macklemore is really capped off to another great year with the dudes, and really looking forward to uh, where twenty twenty three takes us. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully PJ will be willing to invite us back. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it, see how it rolls out. But overall, just great facility. You can definitely tell they take pride in what they do and and take very good care of the small things, which is important that some people don't notice, but they all add up. So, um, thanks, Donnie. All right, welcome back from the, the break. Let's go ahead and jump into our main interview with Chris. Um, Chris, go ahead and start off by telling me just your backstory. How did you get into the game of golf and who introduced it to you? Well, I was born on Monday, June the 1st, 1987. Um, now, that's just the start. I wanted to roll with that on that one. It was 12.22 p.m. I'm pretty sure it was sunny that day. Um, Made for my, golf. Yeah, my dad uh, got me started in it when I was three. Mm-hmm. And like so many other kids. Yeah. And um, my first real, I think, core golf memory is standing on the practice tee at Old Mill Golf Resort, uh, which is about 15 minutes back this way from Primland, which is a great spot for golfers as as a great daily fee place to go and play. Um, 
hole number ten with their with the water yes. on both sides. I'm it so is, glad. It, like I don't know anyone else that's like played there. It's awful. I, when I say it is awful, I mean it is. It, that is one. Of the, that is a daunting shot. Oh, so uh, just. Yeah, and especially if you're teeing off on ten, like your reverse shotgun, or just like you're putting me on ten, I was like, Why okay, that would be that, that would be a very unpleasant opening yeah. hole. I, I like something to where I have a little room to miss, and that's yeah. like, yeah, and you've got room play. on number one there. You've oh, got yeah. plenty of room. Oh there. yeah, yeah, you're still up on top of the hill, but mm-hmm. you get but on ten, mm, no, I did. Um, that's awesome. I actually have a little video of ten. I'm gonna have to clip it into this. Uh, we do some little reels we'll throw out, and uh, that way people can just see what we're talking They're about because like, oh. it's like, oh. Oh, and it's not the longest hole either. It's, it's not. not. No, but I mean, you you step on that tee, <laughs> and if you've had a bad front nine too, oh, yeah. you're already four or five deep <laughs> on the beer side too, and you're like, oh, oh my gosh. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And um, my best friend played. He played golf for Hamden Sydney, and the ODAC used to do their tournament there. That's where they did their conference tournament. Wow. And he talks about teeing off there at eight o'clock in the morning, um, in mm. the fog. And you're not knowing where that tee shot is. You don't know. And you're trying to remember how far I have to carry or what I can do. Is it wet? And it's just that's a that's a tough place to play. And, again, that's also one of our home courses during high school was that place. Man. Too. So we had I'm this. Spoiled. I hate to call Gordon Trent a dog track, but, I mean, you know, we had a, this small municipal course. Um, that was our primary spot because it's about 10 minutes from campus. Mm-hmm. And then you had Old Mill, which is 35-minute drive, and then obviously Primland's probably you know 25 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to Old Mill was a great spot just to go and play and practice growing up. And um, you know, great just little resort course. Um, my brother played when he was in high school, mm-hmm. was a regional qualifier. Um, he doesn't play anymore. He's eight and a half years older than I am, so I remember shagging balls for him. Uh, on our grandparents' farm. Um, and then I was so active in baseball and basketball as a little kid, we really didn't play that much mm-hmm. until we got to high school. And that's when you really started focusing in. So I played um, every year of high school golf. I played tennis my sophomore through senior year. And then I wrestled my final two years. And that actually wound up being my best sport. And um, I remember after my senior year of high school, district tournament, and we got eliminated early, so nobody's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably shot a million and a half that day. <laughs> and I remember putting my club in the bag, and it poured rain, and I pulled a five iron that day and swung at the ball. And I, com- not, I didn't even completely miss it. Like, the club just flew out of my hand. Like, I was so disenfranchised <laughs> with, this, with the game. Like, I did not I, – I didn't pick up a stick again for – probably until spring of 06 and I was in my freshman year tech that time and the master it was master's week and for some reason something happened and I re-fell in love with the game again I found something and then I've never put I've never put it back I've never put golf on a back burner again at least the thought of golf like I've never hated golf like I did for that year after I graduated um, high school and I'm kind of embarrassed about it too because when I have to tell this story it's a good reminder of saying hey it's all about perspective yeah everybody's had a bad day on a course don't let it you know just eat at you and feed on you so much that you just wind up wasting whatever it is it is um I feel that yeah but I went into uh I broke into the business in 07 I was a sophomore tech and uh, I was a card attendant my first season. March twenty second, two thousand seven, was my very first day on the job. It was about forty degrees that morning, and mm, we went double hot it? chocolate. And I remember shagging balls on the range, and because nobody was out there, and I was like, "Is this really what the golf business is?" And lo and behold, fifteen years later, yeah, it still kind of yeah. is. Yeah. Kind of what the golf business is. Um, but uh, I moved inside after my first season, and had the idea of saying, "All right, do I want to become an assistant pro at some point? Do I want to be a club professional?" 
with the idea of thinking, yeah, let's go graduate, get PGA certification, do some different stuff. And then I elected to go to grad school after um, I graduated from tech. I went to JMU and worked actually at a club in Harrisonburg, close to their campus called Spotswood Country Club, Mm -hmm. and then came back the following year during that summer between um, my two years of grad school and worked in the shop again and was tournament director and did um, handled couples golf and some of their men's league stuff and, and all that. And then our age, our assistant general manager at the time left to get his first GM job. I slid into that role because my master's degree was going to be in athletic administration and nobody was retiring because that was 08, 09, and 010. Mm-hmm. So anybody that had you know, money in the stock market had probably already lost it. Everybody was hanging on to what they had, but the club business was starting to gain a little bit of steam coming out of that recession too. And I'd yep. always had an interest in clubs for sure. some reason. It just had always interested me. I spent three years at Blacksburg Country Club as their business manager and then left to go to Pennsylvania. Um, club there did a national search for a new position that they could, for essentially like an assistant GM role. Yeah. And we took them out of a $6.5 million clubhouse renovation. We were getting ready to go into a multi-million dollar restoration of their Donald Ross design course. Ross is by far and away my favorite architect ever, and it's not even close. Nice. And that course was designed in 1923. And in the uh, York, PA is about two hours west of Philadelphia, about three hours east of Pittsburgh, 45 minutes north of Baltimore. So most of the people there are Ravens fans, and that's how you describe it. It's like, like, who do they pull for? It's like, well, they pull for the Ravens. They're closest to Baltimore. Hmm. Um, Great club, historical club. Um, There are two pictures that hang in that clubhouse. One is Arnold Palmer. The other one is Donald Ross. So they really – they – cherish Ross there and I was able to learn so much about him about his family and um, you know, that was I spent two years there um, I actually had a six month stint as an interim GM when my boss left and went to a club in Rochester New York and then back to Virginia and then um, here to Tennessee in 17 um, wow. so and I've been here ever since knock on wood I'll be here tomorrow so, I, I have a good feeling that that's probably going to be uh, staying the same for so. you Um well, tell us now that you're here, what, what's a day in your job look like? Uh, every day is different. Yeah. Um, it really is. And uh, I did an interview with a group of uh, college students because I, I like to go and speak at, whether it's Virginia Tech, JMU. Um, I've spoken at some, in, in both undergrad and, and graduate courses too. And that's one of the common questions that we get is, like, tell me what a day, in your, of, a day in the life of a GM looks like. Most GMs will tell you every day is different. Um, we don't serve breakfast at our club, which is great. So it means I get to sleep late most mornings. That's um, nice. For me, late is you know normally up and out by you know eight thirty nine o'clock, yeah. and normally to the office by about eleven. I do a lot of paper at home and people at work, and so you know in, in front of people a lot during the day. And um, I will normally at night before I go home, I've got a nice big yellow legal pad beside my desk, and um, I'll write down the three or five things that I want to accomplish the next day. And it could be something as small as make sure you send that email, make sure you do that, or something big as like, hey, you need to finish this project. And normally I stay pretty ahead of things, but most days I will not accomplish the three to five things that are on that list because something's either always breaking, something happens, and you get a phone <laughs> call that winds up that should take 15 minutes that takes an hour and 15 sure. minutes. Yeah. Those, that has to be the all-time favorite, the, yeah. the phone call that's like, I need to get off this call. Yeah. 
and it's not even a member who's upset about something. It's like, I, it's like, I didn't like my hamburger because it had too much ham and not enough burger. And I was like, man, there's no ham on your hamburger. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but it winds uh, up being, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's a vendor call or it's a sure. sales call. And luckily we have a phenomenal front office staff that knows how to, you know, basically run blockade for that. It's like, ah, yeah, he's not here. And they'll buzz back and say, do not pick this up. Yeah. And they're like, perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, but we all get it too. And, um, but I also like being around our members a lot too. So when I'm at work, you know, I love seeing our members. Um, we have a, like I said, a great group of folks, um, and families that you want to see and see daily just because um, you like to think that, you know, because I don't have a wife or kids or anything like that, you, these are kind of like my family. Yeah. You know, this, it really is. And it doesn't take long um, to develop a lot of those relationships just because whether it's shared interests of, you know, golf, tennis or whatnot, or just shared interests in sports or just shared interests in general. And plus, most of our members are just phenomenal people, too. Yeah. I mean, this is not a big swanky bougie country club where you know you've got the left side of the tracks and the right side of the tracks you know most of our members get up and go to work every day most of i mean we shop in the same grocery stores uh we go to the same movies we do i mean and that's how our staff is too and mm-hmm. it's there's still that level of professionalism that you got to have but at the same time too this is johnson city you know yes. our club is reminiscent of johnson city sure and this is not charlotte or atlanta or dc or chicago or new york i said this is johnson city i said we can be casual you can still do nice things not everything has to be top hat and tails it just doesn't so no it, it absolutely doesn't and i mean i think largely people as a whole from here just carry a little bit different demeanor which i mean i feel like that goes a long way but yeah, I mean, I'm sure you go to some of those more prestigious clubs, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, like, I mean, I've been to some nicer places, and like, it's you almost feel like you're, you're going to step in the wrong spot as a guest, or, sure. and, and it's like, I mean, it's like, yeah, the course is really nice, but it's kind of a lot sometimes showing yeah. up to a place like that. Yeah, you know, one of our uh, one of our owners, um, she said one time is she said, Chris, we want this to be almost like an extension of one's home. And, you know, if you've, for those of you that have been in the ridges, obviously, you know, we have 278 homes and home lots mm-hmm. that are in with the course. Yeah. And so we have our members that literally roll out of bed and they roll into the club. And it's like, we're not necessarily so much a destination as we are a continuation of somebody's home. The The furnishings that are in the clubhouse are meant to be comfortable. They're meant to make you feel like, hey, it's just another room down the yeah. hallway in my house. Sure. And and that's how our owners want it, and that's how we try to sell it too. I mean, you guys have a great um, clubhouse there. The um, I guess maybe I think two years ago, um, Brad's uh, younger daughter Tori, mm-hmm. um, she was getting married to Justin Kelly, who's one of our league members, and mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to be his best man. And we had the like rehearsal dinner out there. We went and played in the morning, mm-hmm. and then hung out. Went back to my place, chilled out for a minute, and then came back over there. And it was like, this is a really nice place to spend the day. Yeah. And especially for an event like that. I mean, that huge, like this dining area. With the, I mean, it's just yeah. g- great setup you guys yeah. have. And it's not, a, you know, from a square footage standpoint, it's not a huge place either. I mean, our clubhouse is about 12,000 square feet. I mean, comparatively speaking, I mean, when you go to somewhere like Cherokee in Knoxville or Charlotte Country Club in Charlotte or somewhere else, yeah, these clubhouses are 48, 72,000 square uh, feet. Some of Goliath. All, all the banquet. And, you know, and these buildings were built, you know, 
a million and a half years ago too. Mm-hmm. They've also been renovated and done a very good job with it, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. It's just saying, you know, there is a more intimate feel with our club sure. as a whole. And if 820 members called and said, I want a dinner reservation tonight, well, we obviously we're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. But at the same time too, or the same thing from a golf course standpoint, you you only have so many tee times in a day. You only have so many parking spots. You only have so many spots on a range, so many tennis courts, so many chaise lounges by a pool. So many chairs in your in your uh, dining rooms. Yeah. We learned that really well in pandemic time. You go, let's go back two and a half years ago. Um, March hits, mm-hmm. and we wound up. You know, everything shuts down. Everybody's at home. Nobody's traveling or doing anything. Well, where are you spending your recreational time? Ta da! Sure. You're yep. coming to us. Yep. And that was a really galvanizing moment for us as a club, for our membership, and for the club industry as a whole. And I think if you talk to you know other club managers or other golf professionals and specifically about that topic, they will say, listen, we are in what's called the renaissance period of the club industry. Yeah. And and it gets back to what I said a few minutes ago about, you know, people who like the club, love the club, people who love the club now can't live without it. That was that galvanizing moment to say, wow, I never realized what I actually had until I was spending more and more time here. And we found out limitations real quick of saying when people can't travel or they can't do this or can't do that and they're spending all the time here, yeah, those tea times book up real quick. And when you're taking tea times seven days out and people are just going on there at 8.01, we open tea times at 8 o'clock, 24 hours mm-hmm. out. And you, by 8.01, you have 10 hours worth of tea times that are booked for something that's not even going to happen until a week from now. Yeah. and That's a lot. It's kind of fun to watch, but at the same time, it gets old real quick. And sure. you're like, oh man, can't you just you know go to you know Palm Dunes for a week? Or just like, <laughs> can somebody just rotate out and just like everybody just wants to be here? But yeah. at the same time, too, um, there's worse problems to have than that. Absolutely, and yeah. we were more worried about oh gosh, for like small business owners in the membership, who's going to drop because hey, yeah, they're concerned about this or concerned about that. Um, luckily for us, we had of maybe 900 members at the time, 850. We probably had maybe five that dropped for one reason or another. That was pandemic. Very minimal. Very exceptionally minimal. And we were just really thankful for that. And then um, by the end of 2020, we announced our capacity and said that, hey, starting June 1st, 2021, we're going to go to a wait list. I never thought we would get to 30 deep on that. That happened within the first 10 days. I didn't think we'd get to 40 deep. That happened in the first 30 days. And then, you know, now we sit on about a 65-person wait list. How long is that in terms of time does that feel like for that 65th person? Well, you know, what's funny is is when we announced it, um, our d- director of member engagement, uh, Rachel Ingram and myself, we were sitting there and we were mapping these things out because we were making decisions at the club level with um, with our owners and our other department heads that said, this is stuff the club's never gone through before. Yeah, they're good problems to have, but still, somebody's going to call and say, hey, so what's the wait list? Is it two years? Is it five years? You mm-hmm. know, do I sit here? Am I going to be in in six months? I'd love to sit here and tell you that I think it's somewhere in that 10-month to 14-month range. Okay. But That's reasonable. Some of it, you know, and Johnson City is a is a transitional town anyway. Sure. Because you'll have a family that moves here for Eastman or for Ballot or whomever, and they may be here two or three years and they get transferred out. Yeah, it's not because we don't like the town or we don't like the club or whatever. It's like, listen, we're just on to our next stop. Yeah. It's just part of it. So that's part of what's keeping in mind, too, of saying your attrition rate is not necessarily due to dissatisfaction. You know, if I think that a good attrition rate is anything under 5.3%, why that number is 53 I don't know. But 
anything that's under that number is decently good, but you're yeah. also going to have deaths. You're going to yeah, have absolutely. moves. You're going to have um, you know infirmity. You know, people getting older and just not using it, or well, kids move out of the house, and yeah. you know, mom and dad just aren't doing it. It's, hey, we're retiring. We're going to spend more time down at Hilton Head now, yep. and not so much in Johnson City. So, which is fine too. Yeah, and it's not a knock on you. It's like, well, like things just change. Sure, like things is. I mean, this is how it goes yeah. sometimes. But on the back end to it, you've got people who are ready to move in, who are ready to live the exact same lifestyle that that family who is no longer living it is ready. So it's like, listen, my kids are doing this now, so we're ready to move into that spot. Yeah. And, that's what you bank on in terms of trying to stay and be relevant in their lives. Sure. So, the um, let's switch topics a little bit off of Blackthorn, mm-hmm. but still on golf. What's your favorite course you have played? Oh, um, I imagine I imagine you've played a course or two up there. So the the politically correct answer is I love Blackthorn. Blackthorn is my life. Of that course, is the it best is. course. Yeah, um, love you, Arthur Hills. <laughs> You're the best man ever. Rest in peace. Um, so your second favorite. There you go. There we go. Uh, Mid Pines and Southern Pines. Oh, money. 1921 Donald Ross design, yeah. about 6,700 yards, 18th hole. Phenomenal. Mid Pines is awesome. And uh, you, yeah, Pine Needles gets the, you know, they get the, the acclaim. They get the glory because they've hosted the Women's U.S. Sure. Open yep. and all that. That was this, this last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they've got another one coming up, too. Um, but I love Mid Pines. It is a, you know, it was restored in 2013, I believe. And Kyle France? Or? Sure. Sure? Uh, no, sure. Like, I think. Like, oh, okay. I think you're right. Yeah. Like, um, but he, um, it is one of the few Donald Ross designs that has really never been touched. Yeah. Like, how it was designed in 21 was how it kind of really looked. It was yeah. really more just make sure, okay, let's get the greens back in shape. Let's move. Let's get the monkers here. You know, the big thing that's really popular amongst course designers these days is you know you don't want to you don't want to do renovations you're trying to do restorations and especially sure. for order older courses so it's a william flynn it's a donald ross it's a seth rayner it's an aw telling yeah you know i love older courses you know i like pete dye you know like most people pete dyes uh, pete dye design course is kind of like tequila or scotch you either love it love it or you hate it and um, my second course is probably actually going to be the honors course, which is a die design, and which was just renovated and I think just opened back up within the last couple of weeks too. You know, I've I've not played an exuberant amount of courses, but I've played a fair share, and I can honestly, and not by decision, just, mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually ever played a Pete Dye course. Mm-hmm. Just the way, like whenever I've traveled around, it's just never worked out that way. I would like to. I know, actually, the Pete Dye course up at the in Blacksburg, like yeah, the, the river course, the yeah. river course, like yeah. I've been meaning to go up there and play but like where Very i kind of run this like league i'm always going somewhere else to play and this is mm-hmm. like if i don't put a tournament there it's kind of hard sometimes to, yeah. to get there and so yeah and you've got some good diet designs that are in west virginia as well too okay. i mean you've got some um you've certainly got the river course that's there right and so that's about 20 minutes south of campus how tough is that uh when the wind's blowing i wouldn't want to play it okay going across the lakes there on um on the front side and you get some it's it, it can be brutal, and it, it's it's a when I say it's a great layout, it's, sure, a, it's yeah. a tough layout. Yep. It really is a tough layout. That is Virginia Tech's actually true home course. Okay, so that's where their practice facility is and stuff like that. They hosted an NCAA regional there, I believe, in 2011. Okay, um, and got some really good reviews for it too. Nice. Um, Die didn't necessarily actually build that course, so that course was already there. He came in and did some redesign work okay, on cool. it. Um, but he, you also get the name that goes with it, too. Sure. And yeah. that's part of it, too. I feel like I've always looked at the green fees, though, for that place looking ridiculously 
I mean, reasonable. Like, I think a lot of times I called up and it was like 50 bucks to come up on a weekend, 55, something like that. And I mean, like, I feel like that's as good of a deal as you're going to get for as pretty of a looking course. And Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's part of it's where it's located, too. I mean, and that's kind of it's on the other end of the spectrum of how Primland is, where Primland's charging you an arm and a leg, especially since they've, yeah. they're under new ownership with Oberge. But um, the river course is actually pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, and and you know, it's a daily fee course, and yeah. you know, they do a good job out there, and um, they've hosted some good stuff. And um, But it gets back to kind of where we're centrally located. It's like how many cool golf courses you can get to oh, in it, three or four hours max. Outrageous. So. I mean, especially if you're pushing that four hours and hitting the Southern Pines, Pinehurst area. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a mecca of courses out there. Sure. Um, so, yeah, going back to mid-pines a little bit, um, I've played there three rounds. Mm. Um, just the the theme of it seemed to just be kind of getting uh, – it was a rough day about every time I've played there. <laughs> like that – like not not the world's greatest golfer by any stretch. And so it just uh, – that, that, that's a tough course, but I've really just – it's a – it's so quiet out there. It, it just feels like the way I guess golf was meant to be. Yeah. Like it really does. I've walked it once, and like that walk out there is as enjoyable as a walk yeah. as you can have anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you think about you've got tree line fairways. Mm-hmm. You, you certainly have classic Ross greens in terms of false fronts and false backs. Um, if you spray your tee ball, mm-hmm. it's going to be a day. Oh yeah. If you're uh, there's some. I mean, it's certainly tight. Um, I remember the first time I played it was in '07. And um, I was with my dad, and we started actually on 10 that day. So going up 18 was actually our hole number nine. Oh. And so, and I, I hate it so much just because I love that walk going up, and you That's have the hotel so in the back, and you're just like, man, yeah. it's like, dad, we got to go. We need to just play 27. Just so I want yeah. this to be my last hole. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I'm not you know world beater when it comes to golf either, but just to, to be able to take appreciation for that too. And I remember it's like the first time when I played the honors course and I'm down there and I'm going through these different places and whatnot and knowing what this hole is intended to be and how it's meant for amateur golf. I mean, that is the whole point of the honors course as a business, as a club in general. It is meant to support amateur golf, not professional. Like, you'll never see a PGA championship there. Sure. You will see plenty of USGA stuff. They've got the Southern, uh, I think they've got the Southern Am there next year, which is okay. what, which was what did this. But it's also the hospitality that goes into it, too. The honors course is known for having the best showers on the face of the earth. I mean, if you ever get a chance to go and stay in one of their lodges, take a shower. Take multiple yeah. showers. That, okay, that's yeah. what they're known for. Some places sure. are known for their chocolate chip cookies. Yep. They are known for their showers. Their shower heads are just phenomenal. Okay. And that's it. Noted. Um, where where is uh, where is the honors course at like in Nashville ish? So it's in uh, it's uh, in Ottawa. So it's just this side of Chattanooga. Oh, so that's really not what probably three. You can get there in probably two forty five. Nice three, just depending on wow. how you hit traffic. And that's a great little nook for uh, golf as well too. I mean, you've got Sweetness. Chattanooga Golf and Country Club. You've got Black Creek. You've got. Um, the honors course. You've got uh, Lookout Mountain, which is get, which is going through, which is just you know on the other side of the state line because it's actually in Georgia. How many of these are are public courses that people can get get onto? At are, are some of these or are these mostly private? Most of them are private. Yep. Most of them are private. Yep. Um, yeah, I'd say just from a public course standpoint, you know, in our general direction of where you're going, I'd say the River Course in Virginia Tech is probably you know one of the closest ones. That's great. Plus you. Some of your ones maybe over in like the Greensboro, Winston Salem area, oh, yeah. like Tanglewood or yep. places like that. Um, 
I really haven't played that many Carolina West of here, you know, in the Knoxville area or places yeah. like, you know, you go to Draysburg and just yeah. out that general direction. I've actually myself never, like, I've only played um, Dead, Dead Horse. Is that maybe? I don't know. Mm. I, like, I've played like yeah. one round in Knoxville and it's like, it's only two hours away, but almost like if I'm going to hop in the car and drive that hour, two hour mark, there's other places sure. I'm going to go. Yeah, but. and it's all about, and in some, it's the type of group that you're going with too. It's like, all right, yeah. are we? Is this a drinking day? Yeah, or is this a right. serious golf day? Absolutely. Yeah, There's we, two different ones there. Yeah, which group? Which group are we with today? Yeah, and who's who's in my group? And is there one guy that thinks that it's one thing, and the other three of us think that it's something totally different? Yes, um, that has happened before. Yeah, or you know, even you think like, like Sweetens Cove. Yeah. It was a great little golf destination. And, you know, that's the thing. You know, certainly anybody that, that prays at the altar of Peyton Manning is, you know, it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, they've go. probably got to go gotta there. Go. We got to go. But they've hosted some really cool little events there, too. They have. Yeah. Uh, they have a good little social media going mm-hmm. that they do a good job highlighting some of their events. I, have you been there before? I haven't, actually, no. I haven't either. But it looks like uh, we have one of the guys in our league, Ian Heron. He's uh, been down there, and he's like, dude, we like, why are we not going down there yet? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah. maybe it needs to happen. And I think from a golf standpoint, too, you're going to see more and more things pop up like that. Yep. And, you know, for the 40-hour work week's not exist anymore. We all know it. But how do you wind up developing these destination places that may just have a little bit of a twinge to them? And there's a reason why, like, Top Golf has excelled so much. And something it's like, how do you keep it social, keep it fun, but still have a good day about it, too? And you can put some money into a, a um, an entity yeah. that actually makes it worth going to. It's like, hey, this is a good core memory. Yeah, we should go do this again. Maybe we do this once a year. We do this once every two years, something like that. Yeah. So. Um. So for the game of golf, where do we see it transition in over the next five to ten years? I mean, this last two two to three years, as you've said, has been kind of like, as you called it, the renaissance mm-hmm. of like the club industry. And I feel like golf as a whole, I mean, I recently just got into like the private side of golf last year. But for most of it, it's been the public golf side. And it was crazy how much that blew up in that time. It was actually kind of what really in one way pushed me to look into getting a membership was just because like – it was getting impossible to go out and find a tea time. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, like, I mean, just every course was, like, I mean, like, Pine Oaks was just, like, I mean, it was packed every day course, of the week. Yeah. yeah. So where, where do you see the game going? Is it still going to keep growing or is it going to level out? That's a good question. Um, it really is a good question. And I think there were so many things that have happened in the last two to three years that it, it makes it tough to say, all right, is this a blip on the radar mm-hmm. or what is this? Not many people would have been able to predict in 1996 and 1997 what was going to happen when Tiger came on the scene. Sure. You know, I, from a golf standpoint, it's really the only other thing I can compare it to. And to say that that much play picks up that quickly because of this. And, yeah, Tiger Woods and COVID-19 are two totally different entities that cause two totally different sure. things to happen. But just simply from a golf numbers standpoint – I'd love to sit here and tell you that we will stay where we are, but at the end of the day, golf is still the most expensive game on the face of the earth. And don't, hey, Jamie, turn turn this part off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, and it's yeah. God, it's so annoying. Like it's like, why couldn't I have picked like a hobby, like like basketball? It's like, I mean, you buy a basketball and shoes every now and then. Uh, basketball going, you're good, but with golf, it's just like it's it's not a cheap sport. Jamie, here's where I'm going to help Donnie out Perfect. a little bit more. Let's, let's go with this. Golf is the most addicting thing on the face of the earth. 
it's it just is and and i'm not talking just from a guy standpoint as i know plenty of ladies who are just as addicted to it as anybody and um you know it gets in your blood and it gets really bad in like late february early march when you get that first warm saturday (laughs) it's not even actually warm it just feels warm because it's it's freezing it's like what we feel today and you're like oh Oh. god winter's here because for the record anybody that's listening today is october the 18th 2022 when this is being recorded and it is a cold it's 40 cold. it is a cold 42 yeah it if is. we feel this in late february early march we're like to the course yeah let's go let's it's go like, i don't care if it looks like fall out there or winter it's just like it it we can do this it's fine yep. there's no frozen um but golf is so addictive and i think with our age group and because of how um we've kept ourselves and we've kind of made golf a normal thing and maybe five, ten years ago, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. And things will change. People have kids. And it's like, yep. I don't get to do things as much as I used to do. Or, yep. you know, I change careers. or And, and that, that'll that happen, too. Yep. But the National Golf Foundation still classifies a core golfer as somebody who plays five times a year. Five times. That's less than once every two months. If you play golf five mm-hmm. times a year, you are considered a core golfer under the National Golf Foundation. Wow, what am I considered? So. Jeez. Yeah, that number's way higher than five times that a year. Addiction kicking <laughs> yeah. in, buddy. Yeah, but you know it, what? What's funny about it too is, um, yeah, I think about look at our pandemic number, or even look at our numbers before pandemic. When we got to Blackthorn in 2017, we were doing right around 17,000 rounds of golf a year. Last year we did 25. Outrageous. In four and a half years, we raised that number 8,000. From a percentile standpoint, that's massive. From a turf standpoint, just a turf grass standpoint. Oh, yeah. I mean, turf is not used to stuff like that. No. That turf is not. Um, and that's a big credit to our superintendent and his team for what they do on a daily basis and to our golf professional and his staff for what they do on a daily basis to really how do you really you know, hurt you know, herd cats at that point. Yeah. It's like, how are you getting people to fit in different spots? And we don't have the biggest range in the world, and you only have so many tee times and all this stuff. And how do you get everybody and keep the membership uh, experience as best as you can mm-hmm. when people know it's like, I can't just roll up at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And, and just think I'm day. coming on out. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. No. You have tee times that are booked until 6.30 now. And now that you've got all these younger members, too, a lot of tea times are booking up after five o'clock because yep. hey, everybody's working, and then we're coming to the club afterwards. Yep. That's happened a lot with our age group, especially the, the young financial guys that are just like, hey, man, yeah, market closes at four, and I'm gonna stay in the office till about four thirty, but I'll be out there by five o'clock. I'll have my yep. tea time at five twenty. There yeah. we go. So for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's it's gonna be really wild to see where this goes. I mean, I'm hoping it keeps on growing and the, the bug keeps on catching more people. I mean, that's the ideal situation, yeah. and I mean, I. I could see it going that way, yeah. so let's hope it does. Um, so working at Blackthorn, what would you say is one of the biggest challenges of a job of just being the GM out there, and then what's maybe your favorite aspect or the most rewarding aspect of your job out there? Uh, the most challenging is really just consistency, yeah. and it is with any business that deals with people on a daily basis. You know, I'm you know I like to say we're not in the golf business. You know, a lot of core of what we do is is golf centric or golf related. We're in the hospitality business. We're in yeah. the we're in the you know people being happy business, and that's yeah. you know anybody that's in the people business should tell you that. But you know it's consistency. It's you know you have a limited group of customers that you see every day. My group extends to 820 families, and if I serve them a burger on a Tuesday and they love it, that burger better be the same on or better on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, yep. and Sunday. 
Same thing for uh, Hola Golf. If member comes out and he's playing around on a Tuesday and he hits the ball in the trap on hole number one, the sand that he's hitting out of should be the same on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And consistency within the course, too. I don't want to be playing out of, you know, really, really light, fluffy sand on hole number one. Yeah. And then playing out of, you know, deadpan on hole number seven. It's just, that's that's not what anybody wants to do. No. So that type of consistency is not only just from day to day, but it's also from place to place, hole to hole. And that's one of the things that I think our team does a great job of as well, too. Um, greens will be the first thing you hear from a member on of saying, like, you know, they're not rolling fast enough or they're not this or they're not that. Yeah. Well, not everybody's also a five handicap either. <laughs> right. It's like, it yeah. can't be a 13 and a half every day. It's just not. Yeah, it's just it can't. not going to be. Like, some people are not going to have any fun with that. Yeah. We keep ours. Uh, for member play, uh, generally speaking, about ten and a half. Okay. Um, for tournaments, whether it's like member guest or member member or uh, the Bank of Tennessee Intercollegiate, which we just had last week, um, which is an entirely different beast altogether, um, we'll crank them up. I've seen them as high as twelve before, yeah. twelve and a half. But you don't want to get it so fast that you run the risk of burning them out. There's a reason why when we see a major event on TV come Sunday. While those brown, while those greens are starting to turn brown, that's because they're also getting ready to replace them on Monday morning too. Yeah, I mean, they've worked and prepped that course for nine months to get ready for that one four day stretch. Said, that's wild. We the still, work. I was like, we still have, uh, you know, 120 rounds that we're going to play for member golf on Tuesday. Yeah. So I mean, I can't just you know prep everything just for that one weekend and then say, oh, by the way, we're okay. We're just going to redo our greens. Yeah. Next week for the next, it doesn't work that way. No. So. And what would you say is most rewarding? Most rewarding um, is the people. Yeah. It, it really is the people. Um, I have a phenomenal group of, um, at least of my key folks uh, that I work with. And our management team is made up of about 15. Our total employee base is made up of about 100 folks in the summer, about 75. Uh, and between that group of my key reports and then uh, our membership and our owners, too, I am blessed to have some of the best people in the world that just happen to be owners of our club as well. Win-win. Um, they are um, salt of the earth, hardworking folks, and you know, uh, Mr. Ingram and Mr. Summers are in their mid-70s and still get up every morning and go to work. And they don't have to, but they do. Yeah. And it, it shows a good work ethic for their employees as well. Um, you know, because, you know, certainly with their businesses outside of the club, you know, between Summers Taylor, which is, you know, a big company here yeah. in town, and then Ingram Financial Services as well, too, which is a smaller company here in town. But, you know, they don't have to work if they don't want to, but they choose to. And they still want to be active. And um, they're active within um, within the club as well, too, as, as, as members. And that's a good thing that we sell to members who move in. It's like, oh, do your owners just live? 2,000 miles away, and they just write a check and just say, here. I was like, no, our owners are active members of the club. Their yeah. families are active members of the club. And um, that's partly that's played a lot into our success as well, too, is because they see it not only as an ownership, but they also see it from the member side of things as well, too. So Good. Favorite part of the game of golf? What is it? Oh, the screwdriver before you tee off at like 9 a.m., <laughs> Um, Smirnoff, <laughs> if you have it. I mean, great, there's no reason to put Grey Goose in it because you're just going to – you're using – I mean, good orange juice. Um, man, you hit that first good drive. Yeah. That, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. If you're standing on the first tee 
and I've learned this within the last year, is to stop warming up because I waste all my good shots. That's <laughs> And I'm a range rat too. I, I love the range. I do love the range, but yeah, it's like it almost gets a little concerning when you're like, okay, this is going way too good out here. It's hard to make that translation yeah. to the course. It's almost better. You don't want a bad warm up, but kind of that mediocre one. You're like, oh, I'm actually loosening up. Oh, so that was okay. That wasn't. Yeah. I'll take those to the day. Yeah. I don't to get to the... play that often anymore either. Like I've played in the last two years. I know I've played less than a hundred holes of golf. You just don't do it anymore. Wow. Yeah. And in our business, yeah, and our head pro would probably tell you the same thing too. That's a um, bummer. Yeah. Is you just you don't really get to play that much, yeah. and um, that's part of what's kind of been an issue with PGA professionals within the last, you know, 10 years or so is the game or the game, the business has really turned into just that it's a business now. And yeah, you're still able to teach some lessons and whatnot, but you're really not playing as much as you because it's, it's very much bottom line driven. And that's how I run my business. I want my, I would love it if my pros could play more, but we're also so busy doing this because it seems like every week you've got some sort of tournament. Every week you've got, yeah. you've certainly got your lesson base and all that. And we have four professionals at our club that teach. Wow. I mean, I've got my head pro, I've got two assistant pros, and then our director of member engagement also just happened to be a Division One golfer at Ole Miss, and she coached at ETSU and Samford. Okay. And that's a solid resume. She, she also, I mean, and she is a phenomenal. She's also a phenomenal teacher as well too, and yeah. works with players of. You know, all shapes and sizes and ages and, and skill levels, too. Mm-hmm. And they really have focused on growing the game and, you know, how do they make things better for especially juniors. You know, yeah. Because that's that's really where the future is. Literally. It is. Yes. you got to make it enjoyable yeah. for them. Absolutely. So. Well, Chris, thanks for coming and joining us. That's going to go ahead and wrap up the, cool. the main section of our podcast or main interview. Uh, we're now going to go ahead and dial up uh, old Brad Nagley and get him in for hazards time. So this should be uh, interesting to see what he uh, what questions he has prepared for us. Hey, what's going on? Brad, what's up, man? Oh, not much. It's full dad mode right now. Oh, nice. What's that consistent of? Uh, wife at meetings and stuff. So I'm uh, just at the house with baby girl, and she's actually taking a nap right now. But Oh. Convenient. So, Convenient. Hopefully, hopefully we're good. Brad, it's Chris. What are you doing, bud? Oh, not much. Just hanging out. Well, How are you? Another day in paradise, my friend. Cold, cold paradise. Hear that? Yeah. Um, Brad, I know you, you texted me the other day about trying to go play, uh, what's it, like Linville or Land Harbor? Is that what it was? Yeah, I think it's like Land Harbor, Linville, or something like yeah, that. I don't, yeah, I don't know how much longer they're going to be open up there in the mountains of North Carolina. I feel like their season's that after this week. Yeah, I was going to say that that's probably dwindling down pretty soon. Um, but hey, wanted to bring you on and uh, have you arrange the questions for Hazard Time. So we're going to go ahead and uh, about, go about five to ten minutes here. Hopefully, you got some good questions prepared for us. Um, and why don't you go ahead and get it started and pick who you want to lead off with. All right. So, and I don't know if you guys have covered this already. So, if I do, just we can move on. But um, first question for Chris: What is the lowest you've ever shot on eighteen holes, and where was it at? Uh, I tried to shoot myself in the foot one good time. <laughs> uh, so the the lowest I can remember shooting was I was in eighth grade. No, I wasn't. I was in ninth grade. Uh, I shot a 71 
And the name of the place was Gordon Trent Golf Club in Spencer, Virginia. And that was my goat track home course where we spent most of our time. And I did not have a single birdie that day. I had 17 pars and one bogey. Wow. Wow. Okay. Dang. And yeah. you said Spencerville. That's a, that's a metropolis, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, no stoplights. It's <laughs> There is a four-lane road now. It was two-lane then. Oh, okay. There, it was, it's four-lane now. I see. That's growing up. Yeah, that's, that's right. All right, Brad. All right. Um, Donnie, what is your favorite club in your bag? Mm. Got to pick one. Got to pick one. Yeah, like I'm going to break all your clubs except for one to get the ticket. <laughs> okay, the five hybrid is what I'm keeping with the Tobacco Road head cover. That thing mm. has brought me a lot of good shots when I've needed a good shot out of it, including this last weekend. So uh, the the five hybrid staying in the bag. Well, bad news is you don't get the club head uh, cu- club head cover too. So just the five hybrid. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm taking the the cover with me. You can't take it. <laughs> All right, next one's for Chris. What is your beverage of choice on and off the golf course? Ooh, buddy. Uh, depends on the time of year. Uh, we Fair. actually we actually had this a little bit earlier. So if you can get me started on a golf morning with a good screwdriver, I'm mm. I will be the happiest person in the world. Um, Smirnoff, and you may or may not put orange juice in it. It just depends on what you've got available. <laughs> um, off the course, like going into the 19th hole, summertime, really hot, a good gin and tonic, preferably yeah. Tanqueray, um, fresh lime juice. Um, I like a good gimlet. I like a good transfusion. Blackthorn makes a great transfusion, by the way. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Brad, I know you've had uh, one or two of those. Um, I've, ha- I've had a couple in my day out there. Actually, um, I was going to say, I don't even know what I'm talking about. We've had them together. That day when me, you, <laughs> Hugh, and... Justin uh, played out there. I, I know we had our fair share of them. That was a. Uh, oh yeah, well, are... we went in there. We went in at the turn, and I said, uh, "I said everybody two transfusions, double shots on me," and that was like a hundred something dollars real quick. Ready, break. <laughs> yeah, that was fast. Hey, and you know what? The theme of that was it was getting cold that day, and we were like, "We got to warm up." The front nine. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if the scorecards were that hot either. Um, and so I it think it was. Matter. You know, it didn't. We were like, we we. We got to stay warm out here. This back nine. Yeah. All right, Donnie. Your best after round location hang, like you've ever had. Mm. You know what I mean? Jeez. Um, Arcadia Bluffs. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I I had a couple that were coming to mind quickly, but. Sitting up there in those chairs, just mm-hmm. overlooking everyone play in Lake Michigan, mm-hmm. especially at sunset. I mean, that that really – I got to do it this summer over the 4th of July weekend with one of my good buddies. And we just agreed, like, th- like this is why you play the game of golf this is life. for this stuff right here. Good core memory. Yeah, good that is. Memory. That is. All right. <clears throat> Back to Chris. <clears throat> if you could pick your dream – foursome on the golf course with anybody dead or alive who would they be and what course would you guys play Ooh, that's a good one they'll you get the tricky one with the which course would it be yeah nice little curveball there uh my dad for sure probably my best friend ryan uh who's a former pga professional and arnold palmer 
and the course would be my home course of Chat Moss Country Club, which is in Martinsville, Virginia, which is a uh, Ellis Maples design. And the eighth hole is what Curtis Strange calls the toughest hole in golf. Nice. That's a fun nice. one to finish it on. The toughest hole in golf. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, Donnie, I got one more for you. All right, let's hear it. All right. So you take all the guys and the dudes that have it. All right. This and is you're gonna going to be tough. To I, I already know this is going to be a tough one to answer. However, whenever it starts with this. All right. You're going to outfit your game with the four aspects, but you're taking it from dudes that have it. So you have to pick someone in the league you want to hit your driver like them, oh, someone in the league you want to hit your irons like them, someone you want to chip like them, and someone you want to putt like them. And they all have to be different guys. And are these people dead sober when they're doing it? <laughs> <laughs> Some of them get better as they go. Um, yeah, okay, okay. They're, they're normal playing conditions. Normal playing <laughs> conditions. Um, okay, so assuming I have this, this skill set of all these people, I'm going to take Will with his driver, knowing that even if he hits it poorly, these people behind him are going to make up for any deficits, and any advantages he can get me are going to be pretty unbelievable with his length however if i have to pick a safer option i'm gonna tell hugh to tee off with his three wood because hugh's the three wood king and i don't know if that dude's missed a fairway with that thing Mm -hmm. so very tough right there iron player i think one that comes to mind jacob long when he's on with his irons can just put on an absolute clinic um I'd, he'd be a hard one to go away from. I never feel like he hits too many bad shots there. Uh, close game. Um, I'll take me on this last Sunday. Uh, I'll just, I played out of my mind, two chip ins. Um, had hardly any putts on the day just because everything was this gimme range. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like Jeremy would be hard to argue with. Jeremy makes mm-hmm. a lot of big putts. He's a, he's a, he's a really good putter. Um, I don't feel like he ever makes too many bad mistakes. So, uh, I also feel like you could throw him into any other kind of gap we have there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just know yeah. the person I would not take for putting would also be Jacob Long. That dude is the lip-out kink. Like, just that if you, if you need a putt to go in, he'll burn the edge. I'll tell you right now. It's not going in, yeah. but it'll burn the edge. So, uh, And if I need a guy, of course, lastly, to just absolutely cold shank one or blow it into oblivion off the tee, it's uh, Max Kelly. So just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> hateful. hateful all right now hateful. Chris, chris i want you to do the same thing except for guys around like men's league oh gosh who's, oh man who's you have to your game with? what's the published date on this by the way uh, about two weeks <laughs> okay okay that buys me enough time oh off the tee man i almost feel like it's better if i'm going green to tee instead of tee to green it might be the um, I like the consistency of a guy like a Mark Atkins. Um, you like Mark off the tee? I like Mark off the tee. Yeah, you know, I could take somebody. I could take Plowcha if I really wanted to. But yeah. I mean, I mean the guy's a plus six. I mean, it's Jeez. almost unfair. That's gross. Uh, yeah. Give me, give me Atkins off the tee. Uh, okay. In the fairways. Oh man! I feel like you only got one choice. Who would you go with? What's the number? Tory, Tory Davis. Yeah, Tory's a good one. And his iron. Yeah, 
I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I'd go anything different with that. Uh, ooh, actually, I'm going to go back. I kind of want Blake Howard off the D-Box sometimes. Okay. I want Blake Howard. Give me Tory in the give me Tory in the fairways. Uh there's that part of me that just wants to take Tommy Burleson around the greens. Uh let me do <laughs> Oh, give me Charlie Byrne to chip. Okay. And then to putt. Mm, who can really nail one if I need him to? Like Give me Russell Ingram. Give me Russell Ingram. Give me Russell Ingram. Okay. Brad, I made a mistake for putting. This this was stupid. It's Zach Hill. (laughs) Zach Hill for putting? Yeah, Zach Hill for putting. Zach Hill's a good one to have for putting. That that guy's annoying. He's the last person you want up going up against you, I swear. If you need someone to miss a putt, it's not going to be him. This (laughs) this dude has ice water in his veins. uh, It can be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Brad, um, I got a question for you to wrap up okay. here, and I'm going to let you go. Do you win a major next year? Or with the league growing and grabbing some better players, was this the year for you to grab them? Mm, I think I will get another one next year. You do. Do you think you have a yeah. better chance at repeating at the Hazards Cup, which is going to be an invitational? or at the open, which will be open to all of our members and the public? I, uh, <laughs> I'd say either one, but probably the invitational. Okay. It depends on how many, uh, how, how many good guys we get going to the open one. Sure. Absolutely. But I don't, I'm, you know, I've said this over the past years. I'm, I'm streaky. I can, I go out and I can shoot, low 70s and then next round can be mid 90s so it just depends Elk on river. the day but yeah cough cough Elk river last week as the guy who shot 100 there so that's okay like it's yeah, Elk river. yeah so it's Elk it is it is Elk. we played tipped out and that was uh that was a beast yeah. and a half up there Elk yeah. this time of year yeah I yeah that. yeah it was yeah well brad thanks for joining us buddy appreciate you taking some time out of your day uh hopefully um Iowa stays napping for you, doesn't wake up, and you can get some uh, a little more alone time to chill out. Um, how are things going <laughs> I, with her, I by the just, way? I was going great. I was just trying to get her uh, to stay asleep long enough for the call. And, uh, Perfect. She, I'm sure going to be hungry here in a few minutes. <laughs> hey, well, she, she, she did her part, so we'll let you go, bud, and we'll uh, hopefully get out and play together again soon. Yep. See you, Brad. See you, guys. See you bud. See you, Brad. All right. Good always getting to hear from Brad. Um, I'm sure you get to see him plenty out there. I plenty. know he's he's always out there playing. Yeah, um, great guy, great family though. He is great guy. Let's go ahead and uh, close this up. Um, do you have any social media plugs that you'd like to share? Whether Instagram, Facebook, sure. uh, a website for the club, anything like that? Yeah, and people can follow us. Best way to always follow us is through our Instagram, which is at Blackthorn Club. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Our website is BlackthornClub.com. Um, we're always looking for new followers. Uh, on Instagram too, so that's probably where we're most we're most active there, on the gram. So, um, you know, dude, you can always come into the golf shop and buy your merchandise. Just because we're a private club does not mean you cannot buy your stuff from the club. So, good enough. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Really enjoyed you taking time out thanks, of your honey. day. And as always, keep it classy, dudes.